Hello listeners, before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Boundless Podcast. I'm Paul Millard, and I created this podcast because I'm passionate about making sense of the future of work and having conversations with the innovators, creators, and thought leaders who are carving their path in today's fast-changing world. You can check out the podcast and more on boundlesspod.com. Today, I talk with Tony Triumph, who is the founder of the Triumphant Group, and he is a brand marketer, but so, so much more. He has a lot of experiences, and we're going to dive into those. His superpower is connecting people, and you can tell from his stories and how he just talks about people that he goes around the world and he just treats people with respect and cultivates relationships, and that has turned into a lot of value in terms of what he's done. We dig into his stories, early influences, his entrepreneurial grandfathers, his family, how he moved from Baltimore to New York with $300 in his pocket, and just a pretty cool story. He's got a lot of good advice and uh, has a lot of wisdom for someone his age. So I hope you enjoy the podcast today and have a good day. Tony, I am excited to talk to you today. I'm excited as well. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing fantastic today. You're involved in a number of things, and we're going to dig into your story of how that finally is starting to make sense for you. But really just want to walk through the whole story. I want to go all the way back to just thinking about what were some of your influences early on in your life, How what shaped the person you are today. And when you think about some of those earliest influences, what are the first things that uh, pop into your head? Well, definitely. I mean, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, some of them didn't know they were entrepreneurs. Others did. Um, my grandfather was an entrepreneur uh, on both sides. My, my mother's father, I mean, he was involved with everything from owning a fish business. He was a merchant seaman. Um, he had a fish business, like I just mentioned, in Baltimore. Um, he uh, was an RVer. He worked at the post office. Um, the list goes on. He did a number of things. He was an avid traveler. So he was just, he was very much a go-getter and an entrepreneurial type of guy. Um, now my father's father, on the other hand, he was like deep into real estate. He, owned, uh, tons of properties when he passed on, he left properties for each of his children. Uh, he had cars, he had businesses. Um, he ran a cabin company, um, my family had a, a, a I guess a, a nightclub or per wow. se it was. Um, it was on the verge of closing when I was a really young child, and it was a family-owned business. My 
my mom did the coat check and my aunt ran the kitchen and my uncles and my dad were the security guards and all the wives and girlfriends were like the waitresses and wait staff and stuff. It was, um, it was, it was a really cool uh, scenario to grow up around. Um, so just coming from that um, and then now just like both of my brothers are entrepreneurs and they do multiple things. Um, one of my brothers owns a barbershop and he's an artist, a painter, my other brother. He's and he's like the <laughs> he's one of those like house flippers. He flips houses in every market wow. and uh, always involved with like back in the day before he knew what he wanted to do. He was always the type that would bring in like a new like. Uh, network marketing type of deal, you know, sign up three friends, you know, make a million dollars overnight type of thing. Um, you, you know, everybody's had a friend to invite them to one of those network marketing events at some point. Um, so just lo and behold, you know, that's just where a lot of my influences came from. I'm the youngest in my family as well. Um, youngest grandchild and youngest of my siblings. So um, just being the youngest and seeing so many people just always uh, in business. I mean, my, my dad's a contractor. Um, he's been a contractor his whole life, he, entrepreneurial, uh, independent contractor type of situation. You know, all of those scenarios are what led to me being confident enough to pursue entrepreneurship um, on my own. And, you know, that was, you know, just, just watching them in general. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know what their struggle was. Right. Um, because again, I was a child, so they didn't, that came on my own and we can dive into that. But, you know, just seeing them and their ability to, you know, to, just to know that it was an option, you know, because a lot of people don't know that it is entrepreneurship. They say, oh, you must just be pursuing that. That just must be a hobby. Right. But, you know, I think that was one of the biggest things to, to see that as a child. Yeah, that's fascinating. A lot of, this is a common thread. I've talked to a lot of self-employed people, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and many of them have family role models that they saw an alternative path. I'm wondering, even mm -hmm. with that, were you getting advice either from other people that say, okay, they, they did that or we did this, but perhaps maybe you should take a safer route? Um, not really. You know, what's funny. It's like when something is done for so long, it's kind of like they, you take it yeah. for granted. So like a, a lot of times, like I, I don't remember ever having the conversation about money or entrepreneurship with anybody in my family. It was kind of just like, okay, you see somebody tying their shoes a certain way. That's how you're going to tie your shoes. You see somebody wearing their hat or their clothing a certain way, you're going to do it. Um, it was just something that I emulated by nature. And I, I don't even think my family realized what they were doing. You know, I think it was just so ingrained in them as well that they just kind of did it. Um, so it, it was a lot, it was a good and bad situation because I had to teach myself a lot when I got into entrepreneurship. Right. Um, and you, you look back and you say, well, wow, I could have, my, my, my father could have told me that, or my grandfather could have told me that or whomever. I mean, um, my mother is probably the least entrepreneurial person in my family. She's the person that will keep everything together and will say, if the going gets rough, get a job, <laughs> stay in school. Um, you know, I thank her for my education. Um, but um, I think that balance was probably the, the the segment that put me where I am and has allowed me to stay afloat, just knowing, I guess, being real, being real and, and knowing reality. But, um, you know, yeah, my family, they didn't it, it was it's, you, it was kind of taken for granted, you know, that, oh, OK, he's just going to know, you know, and they, I, I just don't think they realize it was something that needed to. That could have been strengthened, 
in terms of just a skill that I need right. to know. And it almost sounds like it wasn't something different for them, right? It was just what you do. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, exactly. you take care of your stuff, you provide for your family. Exactly. Everybody has a hustle. Right. You get a job, you know, you, you, you have your community of find something to sell. My grandfather had his fish business. Um, and my mother worked there with him as a child and, you know, it was, it probably started off as something that like somebody gave him the hookup on fish cause he was a merchant seaman. So he probably knew somebody down at the docks that, you know, had the hookup <laughs> and then he, you know, they started giving him so much fish every day or whatever the case may be. So I can sell this, you know, right. my community doesn't have access to this. Um, and it's the same with my, my grandfather who was in real estate, you know, he just, I think coming from, you know, his hardship, of, you know, being a, I guess, maybe an African-American male in the 70s, and then he passed in the 80s, but he accomplished most of his um, his wealth in the 70s. You know, I think it was just him. Like, I have six kids, I have a wife, and I have family members that depend on me. I, I, I want my family to be well, you know? Um, so there is, there's just, a I guess, a different mindset that you have to um, accredit to it. So, Growing up in Baltimore, how did you get to the point thinking about, okay, maybe it's time for me to leave. Maybe my journey is uh, taking me elsewhere. Interesting. I've always been different. Um, you know, I was I was the type that was quiet in school and everybody, you know, they liked me and I was a cool guy and I, you know, I wasn't like a nerd or anybody, but I was just always stuck in the middle, you know. And being coming from such an urban environment, there are a lot, I always tell people, you know, there are a lot of things that I could not involve myself with out of fear of being ridiculed or being not accepted or whatever the case may be. Um, and I slowly tapped into that stuff when I became 18 and I went off to college because the school that I went to um, was just down the road. It was maybe 40 minutes from my hometown. Um, so I was still in the vicinity of still the urban city. It was right between DC and Baltimore, the school that I went to. Um, and it, at that point, you know, things became a lot more accepting, like, you know, being a creative artist and things like that and, you know, pursuing your path. But there came a point where, you know, you, you grow within everything you do. And as, as you grow, you realize, well, I'm not going to be able to scale this in this, in this market, you know? Um, and I actually teach on this now a lot, you know, finding your, finding your market, you know, and, and going, you know, where you'll be able to make your money and setting up shop and then, you know, saying peace. It was it was nice to, to, to know you, City, of AKA, you know, maybe some people might be saying that about New York now, hint, hint. But um, that's, that's what I did. You know, I, I could not stay in Maryland and pursue my path. Um, it's interesting because I'm here a lot more now and, you know, I have friends that are here. It's a catch-22, you know, they're they're older now and they're starting to, I guess, catch up to, I guess, some of the things that I was able to accomplish earlier on in my career in life as a late teen, in my late teens, early twenties. Um, so it's just, it's just a really interesting, um, shift to think about, you know, I, I could have waited to pursue my path and potentially my city would have caught up, you know, to the market, you know, opportunities that are available. Um, or I could have, you know, hustled my way into another city and work my way from the bottom to the top and, you know, accomplish what I needed to accomplish and, um, you know, do all that stuff in a, in a, over a course of 10 years, as opposed to waiting for it to progress in my city. 
So um, it's it's just an interesting thing to think about. It's it's times have changed, but um, I don't regret it. Yeah, and you you've told me you left Baltimore with three hundred dollars in your pocket. Take me back <laughs> to that moment, that week, that time. What what was going through your head? My brain was scrambled eggs. Um, I just remember having so many things going through my head. I I mean, just fighting with my family, like people in my network, you know, I, I'd built a really strong community. I'd been in Baltimore for 19 years and then I'd gone away to college and I started my adult life for two years. And so, you know, I had friends, I had relationships, I had cool things going on. I had a part-time job. I was in school full-time and, you know, you just have all these communities, you know, within your network. And it's like, everyone is literally like, huh? What do you mean you're, you're moving right. to New York? When? Oh, you must be going for the summer and coming <laughs> back. And I'm like, no, I'm going next week. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, in the, the career that I was pursuing, I had just, you know, I started off as a as a model. Um, and getting into that industry and that career cycle is very, very quick paced. And everyone kept saying, you got to do it while you're hot. You got to do it while you're hot. And I said, well, this is something that's always interested me since I was a kid. I'm going to run after it. You know, I might not stay in it forever. I knew it was going to be just a stepping stone. But I was like, this can at least get me to New York. And I I can do something fun and cool and interesting that I always will feel like, you know, I'm, you know, not being, you know, I can be myself and whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, pursuing that and going after that, you know, there was just a lot of needle nose people. Oh, you can't let this new career take over your life. And what's in New York? Can you afford it? It was a lot of concern. It was a lot of naysayers. It was a lot of, you know, mix of, of responses, but, you know, essentially it, it, it happened. And (laughs) I, I guess it was, it was meant to be. Bring up an interesting point. I, I've done a lot of coaching with people that let's say they've gone to top business schools. And one of the things I go through with them is, okay, what if you were designing a life where you wouldn't have to worry about people saying, well, somebody with a degree from here shouldn't be doing that. Right. It's, it's like Mm -hmm. thinking past like what you're supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. I think what holds people back a lot of times is, basically just being afraid that people are going to say, oh, you're, you're either wasting what you've done or uh, somebody like you isn't supposed to do that, right? It's, uh, it's fascinating how those stories can hold us back from what we're doing. Definitely. I mean, those stories, I mean, it's, it, I, I say this generously. It's an it's a even mix of naysayers mixed with general concern. Right. Obviously, my family was generally concerned, um, but a lot of people we're just sharing their opinions. Sometimes people will lay things on you based on what they're feeling about themselves. And you really can't, you can't follow it because you'll, if, Oh my goodness. It, you know, this is really a, a, an interesting conversation or topic rather, because I, I really think moving into, you know, this next chapter in my life and literally like within the past year, I've just gotten to the point where I stopped. I don't want to say stop caring, but I've I've learned how to um, eat the fish and spit out the bones, yeah, per right. se. You know, people will always tell you what they want to say to you, what they want you to hear, um, but they, they, they don't understand the girth of, excuse me, the girth of what you're going through. Um, so, it, or, or the girth of the process, you know. Um, I think people just get so caught up in what they want you to do that 
they they really don't understand that what they're saying is doing you more harm than good. Um, and sometimes they may want to do you more harm than good, but um, even if they don't, a lot of times people just kind of need to let you pursue your path and um, figure things out on your own. Right. So age 19, early 20s, you're, sh- you're doing modeling, you're getting involved in a number of different things, you take different jobs. How are you making sense of it all? Like you've said, it's starting to make sense now, but how are you thinking about it back then? Were you just going after different opportunities? Were you following your energy? How are you thinking about it? That is the perfect point. You said it. You hit it on the nail. Um, I was following my energy because, Paul, I had no idea what I was doing. Did you know it at the time or is that just looking back how you think about it? I knew it at the time. I probably didn't know how to put it in the context that you just did. But I just knew something within me was like, no, you cannot stop. Like you, you, and and I don't, I mean, it's just, I guess I would always hear those sayings where people say, oh, you have to fail to make it. And I didn't even necessarily feel like I was failing. I just didn't feel like I was progressing. Um, And so I guess me not being in New York or like, because it was so many times where I could have left New York and just gone back home, start, finish my life and continue where I left off. But it was just one of those moments where you, multiple moments actually, where I just was saying to myself, no, you can't leave. You can't leave. And I never said this publicly. It was in, it was an internal voice. You cannot leave. I would literally be down to no food, down to my last $10, not even enough to make a withdrawal out of the ATM machine. And I would just stay in New York and just keep hustling and keep hustling. Like you said, working odd jobs, doing all these different things you know, even even doing internships sometimes, having no idea why I was doing that internship, but realizing that looking back, definitely why what that did to me. I mean, some one of the internships that I got fired from that woman, she stayed in my network for five years. We had no communication. And I suddenly reached out to her when I started my business, you know, early, you know, I've been in business for five years and this was five years ago when I started my business five years ago. I reached out to her and I said, hey, um, you know, I, I see you're doing events now. You're in the events venue space, you know, and we just kind of scheduled a coffee. And then she turned into a client. And then from that, her being a client, that led to referrals. And, that, you know, that was supposed to happen because I look at some of the people that she's connected me to. And it was not supposed to I would not have connected with that person any other way. And those people, you look at partnerships and relationships and you just you really sometimes you, you have to connect the dots. You say, how did I meet you? And then how have you helped me? And then you just look at it all comes back to these moments like we were talking about where you were at the start of your journey and you literally had no idea what you were doing. But some kind of way you ended up working for someone or meeting someone. And it just 10 years later, it all turns around and it, it just makes perfect sense. That's fascinating. She wasn't the person that fired you, was, he? was she? She was. She was the wow. person fired me. So and what was what was that conversation like the first time you guys reconnected? It was a little awkward. I I, I think she <laughs> I I feel as though it was awkward and she almost kind of acted like she didn't right. remember that I worked for her. She said, "Oh, I think you used to work for me." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I used to work <laughs> I worked for you for 2 weeks and I got fired." Um and it was it, it was one of those moments where you knew you weren't really cracking up to what they wanted you to do. Right. Um but it was you know, she told me when, when I started, she said, Oh, you're just bored. You you want something to do and I'm like, No, I didn't say that, but really I'm like, 
I really just want an experience to, 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 to work in production and see what it's like. And, you know, I was, how was I? I think I was 20. It was the year Obama got sworn in. So I think I was, 09. yeah, it was 09. So I was probably about 21 going on 22. Um, and it, it literally the, I started the day of his inauguration and I got fired two weeks later and it was really interesting. It wasn't really like a bad, like, Oh, we don't like what you're doing. It was just kind of like, Oh, we're going in a different direction. But as I started my business and I've had to let people go and things like that, I get it, you know? Um, so it, it was just an experience, but it's, it's, I, I guess that's another model. You, you always maintain relationships with people, good relationships and stay connected no matter what, as long as things didn't go like completely sour. And it's just, you, you don't ever want to deal with this person again. Cause they've just like offended you for life. But, right. um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those moments, you know, evolving in New York, you were involved in many different things. And I know having lived in New York, there's just so many things you can get involved in. How did you think about building your tribe? It was, it was a strategy towards it, but it didn't feel like a strategy right. at first. It felt like common sense. I would say things to, especially when I started as a model, like I'd be on set and I'd meet a makeup artist or I'd meet a, a, a photographer or a producer or whoever, or an editor. That was just the perfect example. Um, because I always knew that I wanted to merge into being a writer and do journalism stuff eventually, even outside of being an entrepreneur. You know, I just I had all these different branches. And of course, in my head, you mention things to people as you're growing up and some of them say, you'll never do that. Ha ha ha. Those are some of the motivating things that are going <laughs> through your head as you have these opportunities come through your, your life. Um, but I would be on set or I'd be at an event or I heck, I might even be working as a waiter you know um you know doing an odd job off behind the scenes because i need to pay rent you know um you meet someone and that person I'll, I'll always tuck them in i've always had a rolodex and i'll tuck that person away in my rolodex and i'll say okay you're someone that i want to stay in touch with i might not talk to you for two or three years but i'm gonna stay connected to you on all social medias that's been a golden thing i mean Social media blew up at the start of my career. Um, I guess most millennials can say that, right. that social media has played a big part in just their career advancement um, in general, digital media. Um, so, you know, just that connectivity and maintain like at literally everyone that I met that I felt a connection with or felt was valuable. I stayed in touch with them. And I say it was common sense, but it wasn't because a lot of people would would work with so many top people. And I'd say, oh, you met such and such. And they'd say, oh, I don't know them in that way. But I'm like, well, how? You spent eight hours on set with them. Like, I would at least have their something, something, <laughs> something. Um, so people weren't in, in my lane that I was that I started in, um, in that path. They were not really, um, really responsible or responsive to networking. Right. And it was just super, super... Um, uh, natural to me, super organic. And so I just, I think that has been one of the main things as like, um, you know, I invited an, uh, an editor to an event that I did for a client last year. And he was just like, man, you've, you're all grown up now. And I'm <laughs> like, well, wow. Yeah. You know, he said, yeah, I'd love to stay in touch. And it, it's really interesting to have those conversations because literally it's a shift in power as well. And that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for my ego, but it's just a really interesting thing to notice that, you know, the shift in power, someone that used to book you is now, you know, kind of the tables have turned. You're kind of inviting them and booking them for their services. So um, that's I think that's been one of the main interesting things is just wearing so many hats and then 
realizing the shifts in power and like with even with the, the internship that I told you about and then the situation with the editor coming to my event, things like that. Um, those are probably one those the, those are the golden moments where you're just like, wow, like I've I've really done a lot and it's really paid off. When did the pieces start to make sense, at least a little bit? The pieces started to make sense. I remember um, I have I don't really have any family in New York, but I do have a god sister that moved there the same time as I did. Um, and I used to stay on her couch so much when I would be in between, like when I would travel, I would give up my place, put everything in storage. And let's say I'd moved to Paris or London for like a, a quarter, like a couple months. So I do move to LA or something just cause I want to try out a new market. And you know, this is that 21 to 25 year old stage where you're, it's like the meat of your career. It's like the bones of like your experience and like everything you're going through doesn't make sense, but it's going to pay off the most. Um, these are the years where you're just like scrambling for money and you're trying to, you're going broke for chasing your dreams and all that type of stuff. So in between that, I would stay on her couch. And I remember I did my first big project um, where I was paid a large sum of money. It was like my first time somebody had written me a check more than $10,000 to do a job for them. And I was putting together the event and I was responsible for everything. And I remember her walking in and saying, she stared at me. She said, wow, Tony, it's finally starting to make sense to me. Like, I get your journey. And like, I could have, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I wanted to cry. I wanted to hug her. I wanted to scream. I wanted to jump for joy. I, I just, it was, it was a moment. And I'll never forget that for someone to acknowledge that because um, for a long time, it didn't even make sense to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm just still at that point, this was probably four, three or four years ago. And at that point, I'm still kind of halfway on the treadmill, halfway off where I can see the progress coming in and paying off. And, you know, that was one of the, the shifting points. It wasn't her just saying that, but it was when I started to feel it as well. And yeah. I started seeing roots of my labor come together. But just her her comment was just very symbolic to that time. So probably three, four years ago, it was when it finally just, you know, all the hats that I've worn, all the jobs that I had done and being an editor, being a model, being in, in front of the camera, um, pursuing public relations at one point, uh, being in marketing and, and brand ambassadorship for so many years and, you know, my schooling and just taking the promotional marketing jobs in New York and just every industry that you could think of, all the internships, it just, it, it was finally coming full circle and I was just, I, I said, wow wow, this is, this is the moment. This is, this is my time. I, I have a company and everything that I've done, all these working for other people, it's finally paid off. I had no idea how it was going to happen, right. but it's, it's happened. And there's so many different pieces there. So I heard editing, marketing, modeling, you're behind the camera in front of it. You're bringing people together and producing there, all that stuff. <laughs> and at some point you're you're no longer actually competing with anyone else right because you have such a unique combination of skills and experiences you're actually just battling against how do you bring those together better so how are you thinking about that today interesting um i mean that's where i just had this conversation earlier that's kind of where the, the triumphant group comes into play um someone asked me what do you see your business you know, in five years, I say, I see my, my business being a platform, um, a platform, a, a, a business that serves as a playground, you know, um, for a 
creative entrepreneur that always has a ton of ideas up his sleeve. Um, you know, my my dream would be to have the, a killer team that I can just delegate all my projects and goals and, and, and visions to. And we can just run with them collectively. Um, the traditional agency model is, is has taken a really right. interesting churn for the worse. Um, I mean, just from the time that I started the Triumphant Group, I was I was attempting to run it as a traditional agency, going after clients every quarter, things like that, bidding on projects. And I started noticing agencies that weren't in the branding space or branding agencies that weren't in the creative space um, building these one-stop shop powerhouses. And I was just, I was just completely turned off. And I said, you know what, this is not the direction I want to go in. So, you know, my, my vision now is to just for the triumphant group to encompass, um, being a platform, you know, for everything, resources for people to build their brands and, um, a platform for me to, um, push out my creative endeavors, you know, whether it be um, a new product or a new idea or a new a service that I put on automation. Um, that is that is where I see myself waking up and, and then just going to work as this awesome playground where I have my team just ready and, you know, willing to just run after everything that I'm interested in doing. And of course, every team member would have their specific duty and you know, strong point, even if it was to say, no, Tony, that's not something that we can do right now because we have this to focus on. And, you know, I've, I've served as that person for people before, you know, um, especially, you know, if I, if I get contracted to be in a biz dev role for six months and it's like, you know, the main, I remember a CEO telling me the main thing I need you to do is tell me what I shouldn't be doing. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, that gives me so much clarity as an entrepreneur that I'm not alone, but just coming up with all these ideas right. that I need to um, personally, you know, lay down and, and be strategic with and, and put into a program so that they're just not floating around and that the company still, you know, maintains itself. So that would be essentially where, you know, how I pull everything together. So what, when you work with people, what do people say that they would uh, reflect back and say, Tony is just the one person to go to for this? I like to say I'm a great connector. Yeah. Um, what would your clients say that? <laughs> yes, they definitely would. They definitely would. Yeah. Um, I that is my strong point. Um, and what's do you have a something that stands out? Of just like here is the types of value you add. Like here's an example of a connection I made that was just something that couldn't be done otherwise. Yeah, I see. It's, it goes back to one of those points where you feel like something is common sense, but it's really not. Um, so when I, the way I calculate my network, um, it's very, very organized mentally and physically. So of course I have everything and, you know, CRM tools and all that stuff. And I have great mailing lists set up and organized, but also in my head, you know, when I meet someone, I'm instantly, it just, it just flashes in my head. Oh, I need to connect you with this person so that, because you're, she's working on this project and you're working on this project and you guys will compliment each other. Um, and I was doing that for so long, um, that I didn't realize that Herbis, you know, that people actually paid. Um, so going back to my travels and just 
living overseas and things like that. Um, for the first couple of years in business, I don't think I mentioned this, 70% of my clients were overseas. And it was because I had so many connections in New York City that they could benefit from. And I, I, it was so, it was so like interesting to me that people would actually pay someone just for an introduction or pay someone just hits, Hey, I, I need to meet three people in this sector and three people in this sector sector. And then one person in this sector, and I'll pay you this amount of money. You know, that was a huge business model for me. And it's something that I'm, you know, actually looking to, to move into. I mentioned, you know, producing automated services just a, a minute ago with your other question. Um, and I think that was the what that is one of the, the strongest and most interesting points where people were saying would say to me like, hey, you know, if, if you want to continue doing this, I'll put you on retainer just to do this every quarter because this has been very beneficial for me. Uh, just because you're in the market, again, taking everything for granted. I'm assuming that people have access to New York because it's such a global international city. It's right. direct flights in and out every day. But people, I mean, time is money, you know, and as you as you as I've matured as a person, I've realized that people will pay for convenience. So if I'm in a market and I'm able to provide you, you know, this service, even if it's such an elementary service that people will say, hey, I can do it on my own, they'll pay for it. Um, so I think that's probably the, you know, most strongest thing that I could think of that people like now. Is that's the thing that I, I want to be known for? Probably not. You know, I want to be known for being the 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 brand game changer the guy that was so innovative that he you know was able to take this brand to that to, to from point A to point B because he implemented something that they had no idea about internally but most people you know will say Tony is the connector like I used to be called that from my first year in New York just because I was it would be people that were in the game 10, 20 years longer than me. And I'd say, oh, I know this person. You should meet them. Right. And that, that these people would be intersecting and gigs would, you know, commence and new opportunities. And, you know, some of these people are still friends to this day. Um, so that's definitely always been my strong point, just just being a people connector. It, it may sound super duper easy, but it's it's not, you know, it's, it's like being it's like being a recruiter. I guess like you're not going to connect everyone to everyone, but you to to know everything from personality types to uh, culture, cultural differences, personality types, um, what this person's working on versus what this person is working on. I mean, it's it's an art to it. And, you know, it comes by nature. So that's amazing. You touched on travel. What are some of the impactful experiences or reflections you've had while being in different countries, different places? Um, I would say, I think moving to London and Paris were probably the biggest game changers for my career. And I moved to London. I was, I, I mean, I'd always dreamed of living in Europe. Even, even from my first year as a model, people were saying, oh, you should, you should be in Europe. You know, you're so edgy, you're tall and skinny, da, 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 da. You know, I, I said, all right, I'm going to London. I'm going to try this out nothing happened the way that it was supposed to. Like I got to London again. I don't know how I survived London with $3,000 for two months, uh, two and <laughs> a half an months and a, and a missed flight, you know, living off of pounds for two and a half months. Um, but it worked out and, you know, it was really interesting because again, connected to so many people that most people would have just let fly by the wayside. You meet somebody at a coffee shop or a bar and 
And then that person, you allow that person to become your mentor. And then that person just happens to be the uh, uh, whatever at a bank, you know, and then, okay, totally irrelevant to me as a creative. But 10 years later in your entrepreneurial journey, this person could become an investor for one of your clients, you know. So, you know, just being able to travel the globe and then you stay in touch with people and then someone says, okay, oh, I see you're doing this 10 years later. Oh, I have a friend in this space and they're, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So this is, you know, this is a really good exercise and, you know, being able to uh, source through leads by who who refers them to you, you know. So if you are, you know, if you know somebody has been in your network for a long time and this is the person that you've put a lot of value on, you know that they're if they're referring a lead to you then this person is, is coming correct and it's not someone that you really have to, you know, really spend a lot of time sourcing through. So I think meeting those quality people and right. traveling and one of my mentors even said this, Tony, she said, Tony, if you ever are somewhere on business, don't be so segregated where you can't blend in with the locals. Go to a coffee shop, go to a, a hotel, just sit in the lobby, have drinks with people, meet them, stay right. connected. You have to build those relationships globally because when it comes time to doing business internationally, you're, you'll you be able to have such a, a strong selling point of saying, hey, I know this person in XYZ country that has a boutique that would love to uh, carry your your fashion brand or I need I'm going to this place and I have I need a driver, you know, and, you know, whatever the case may be. I get emails all the time. Hey, man, I've been I haven't talked to you in three years, but we connected on social media. I see you went to Paris. I'm going there just for the day because I have a 24 hour layover. Is there someone that you could connect me to? And then because I connected this guy to a um a driver and i put some money in his pocket that was a free ride airport transfer for me on my next when i went to paris and you know a few months after that so you know that you you just want to maintain these business relationships you know globally a because they you know they, they bring value to you you know it right. just it, it's it's a million reasons why people may not want to talk to you but when you show value you know it, it could be traveling globally it could be being the connector you know, it just brings so much out of it. And, you know, you don't want to take a conversation for granted. You know, I, someone, I may plug someone to something and, you know, a week later, they'll just be telling me thank you. And then that little thank you will spark a conversation. And then we're, we've found another way to work together or you've out of that conversation, you've sent me another lead or another referral for my business. So, you know, you just, you really just want to keep, I feel that whenever I travel globally, it's just always something positive comes out of it. Right. Like somebody sees it. It just seems so, I, I, you know, again, naive. I feel like everybody's traveling. Everybody right. is always on a flight. But it, for some reason, every time I travel, it, it just it brings something out of it. So, you know. I mean, even just interacting with you the couple times we've interacted, it definitely feels genuine when you're connecting with people. I feel, and the way you're describing a lot of your stories is, there's an optimism and a belief in people. Like, where does that come from? And does that resonate? Um, It does resonate. Um, And when I, you know, that was very confirming when you just said that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I want, I genuinely want people to do well. Um, I, I think because I come from a, a space of just, um, a, a space of just love, this may sound ushy cushy, but I, no, I, I just come from a, a space of love <laughs> and, um, 
when that love is given, you know, especially young, not saying that I had a perfect life, but um, it just it I genuinely just want people to do well. And it also comes from just, I guess, being a visionary like I like I, I'm a builder by nature. So, you know, everything that I've done, as you can see, has has come from literally flatland. I didn't fall into any of this. Nothing was given to me. I had to, even if it was, it came from a connection, right. it had to, I had to express some type of interest in it or some type of like girth or, you know, things of that nature. So, um, I, I, it comes genuinely, you know, it's really not something that, um, I've, I, I feel like I'm, I, I need to have my hand out all the time for, and it's it's really interesting that we have this conversation because Oprah says it all the time. You know, it, it, you when you don't focus on money, it comes to you. Right. Um. And that's the one of the main ways that I make money um, through my business is connecting people, and it's it's just super duper organic. I don't. Sometimes I feel I feel crazy invoicing people for that service, and it's just like I love it. I did. I would do it regardless. But thank you. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it's just, I genuinely, I can't, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes you get something and it rises up in you and you can't hold it in. Right. Like sometimes as a consultant, I'll meet people and they'll just, it's supposed to be a 15 minute coffee intro meeting and we'll end up sitting for an hour and a half because I just can't stop consulting them. You know, I just, I, if I see it and it's beautiful and I, I want you to do well, I'm just going to blurt it out. Like I, I can't help it sometimes. And I have mentors and colleagues that get on me all the time. Tony, stop, stop giving people so much of your time. And I just, I, I can't not hold it in. No, that you know? totally resonates. I think, especially even the people I've talked to who are self-employed, that's almost the only sane way to approach it because it, right. You're not getting paid just to show up to the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. You actually need to find things that energize you and the things that energize you, you're going to want to give naturally, right? That's creating, mm-hmm. that's art, that's uh, that's uh, the gifts of what we can offer. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that totally resonates with me. So many things uh, I've done in my coaching business, I've transferred to a gift economy approach because it. I just love it so much. And it, it mm-hmm. a lot of the transacting kind of took power away from it. I'm still experimenting with it, but... Uh, definitely resonates and uh, it's nourishing just to have those conversations too. Most definitely. So we'd love to talk about slowing down and I'm going to quote something I stumbled across that you wrote and you said, I think this is the end of 2016. You said in the jungle or in other words, our cities, it's so easy to lose track, lose ourselves, lose our minds, all things fade and now move faster than ever. What does that mean to you? Where uh, where were you when you were writing that, and uh, how are you thinking about that now? I was I was at a place where I was ready for life to slow down. I felt like a lot of opportunities were coming my way, and they a lot of opportunities were coming my way, and I just didn't know how to handle them all. Um, you know, oh man, it's just it was just one of those things where. I just needed to slow down in life. You know, I was missing opportunities by trying to chase the everything, you know? So it's one of those moments where you realize like, okay, hey, this is, you have 10 things in your plate, excuse me, you have 10 things in your plate that are coming to your life. Um, and you have 10 things in, you have 10 things on your plate that are coming in your life. And 
you can't pursue all 10 because all 10 don't serve you, A. And if you pr- try to pursue all 10, you're going to kill half of them right. trying to pursue all of them. So it's it's just it was just one of those moments where you really needed to just like I needed rather to pull back and just say, hey, you know what, Tony, focus on what's what's important and, you know, cut all the other small stuff out and, you know, just let life let let things serve you. Like if something's not serving you, you know, put it, you know, I just talked about giving, 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 giving that serves me as well. You know, like I don't like something is pulling away from me because it pulling anything away from me like a vampire because it's energizing me, you know? But if you're trying to pursue all these different things, you just you kinda just have to step back, you know? And how are how are you uh creating space now in your life? Man, I'm prioritizing. Um it really comes a point where you just have to prioritize. Um prioritizing is probably the most important thing that you could do. And I read a lot of business books now. I'm in a business book club and I do, you know, they do a lot of, um, they just put a lot of things from articles to books on our radar. And nearly all of the business books say, you know, something or articles say something about prioritizing your time. You know, this is one book I read called no excuses. It's by a guy named Brian Tracy. Um, and he has this approach where it's like you number your priorities. And A is like every you, you can only put three. A1, A2, A3. And you focus on that and you get those things done and you knock it out. And then you get B1, B2, B3. And once you finish the A priorities, A priorities are usually like small subtasks that you can knock out quickly that are going to lead you to the completion of a bigger project or task. And then the B1, B2, B3 is, you know... Important tasks, but, you know, not as important as A1, A2, A3. And then C1, C2, C3, um, C1, C2, C3, rather, are the projects that if you don't get to them today, it won't kill your productivity, but at least you know the next day those are there, you know? Um, I'm just following that prioritizing method. It's helped me so much, you know? I I can... so much more things done on my plate off my plate rather in a day and it feels good you know that's amazing so feeling is a good uh point to transition out and i want to give you a question that you actually asked deepak chopra and you don't have to Mm -hmm. give me five things but you asked him what are five key things that we can do to change our lives now what would uh i know it's a big question but what what would you leave us with Okay. Um, (laughs) So number one would be uh, to tell yourself that success is owed to you. Um, Success is totally owed to you, you know, and don't feel guilty about seeking success. Um, There's a quote, I don't know who to credit it to. I found it. the supermodel Iman, um, she had it quoted. I don't know if she was quoting someone else, but it goes, the secret to success is being like a good lover, not always available. So just know that success is owed to you. Um, there was a point in my life where I felt guilty about being successful. Um, another one is focus, um, which breaks down to follow one course until you're successful. Um, and this is something that hits near and dear to me because I felt as though as I, you know, I don't have any regrets, many, 
Um, I feel like everything that I've gone through has led me to where I am. Um, but if I could have focused, narrowed in on a, a little bit more on each of the things that I wanted to accomplish, I probably could have accomplished them a lot sooner. Um, so definitely focus. Um, do what you love. Oprah says this all the time. Do what you love and let the finances catch up with your life. Um, if you come into, if you're coming into a career path just for money, um, it's not going to work out for you. You know, um, chase chase the opportunity. You know, chase the vision, but don't chase the money. You know, um, and you know the next one would be stop making life so difficult. Um, make things easy uh, for yourself. Um, and that could break down to, you know, when sometimes we just create more things, more challenges for ourselves than are actually there. You know, um, I think you touched on this earlier. Um, it's really not about, you know, you know, once you get to the point where you're in your own lane and you're not really competing with anyone else, uh, you, you start to compete with yourself. Um, so it becomes, you know, you, you become the problem for yourself. So, you know, don't, don't do that. Make, stop making life so difficult, you know, do, do you, but, uh, don't make doing you, uh, more difficult than it should be. And what would be a fourth one? Um, definitely your network. Like I touched on network a lot today. Let it inspire you, let it motivate you and let it promote you. Um, don't be afraid of your network. Your network is your net worth. Um, it took me, it seems like it wouldn't have taken me a long time to learn that, but it actually did because I had this big network, but I, I was afraid to monetize it. You know, like I, I mentioned, I, I didn't think it was something that people, I didn't think it was an opportunity to, to monetize your network. Um, so, you know, I, it just was something that passed me, you know, um, but you, you really have to let it promote you. You know, um, and then also I meet people sometimes. It's another quick story. I'd meet people and I would be afraid to reach out to them, you know, but now I meet people. I've, I've met CEOs. I've met uh, top execs at, you know, places like HBO, and, you know, uh, CEOs and founders that have sold their companies for millions of dollars. And I, I meet them and they give me their card. And I'm like, it was the same thing with Ariana Huffington. I, I reached. I said, she, she gave me her email. Address. I said, she's not going to respond. She responded, you know, I met another guy. Um, he responded, you know, um, scheduled a call with him. Um, it, you know, it's just it's just one of those things, you know, uh, you <laughs> you just have to go for it. You know, don't these are people and um, don't don't be afraid to approach. And, you know, if you if you want to meet someone, hey, can you mentor me? Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, maybe we could just do one call a season or something like that. You know, just don't be afraid to be a go getter. Right. You know, these are people go after it. The least they could do is say no. But the best they can do is help you out. Um, even if it's not in a way everybody thinks it's going to be financial or money or they're going to give you a job or invest in your business or something. No. Knowledge is, is the best thing that they can give you. Advice, you know. So that's that. Those are my those are my five tidbits. <laughs> I love it. You did it. And uh, <laughs> where can people find out more about you? Where do you want to direct people if they uh, want to tap uh, into your uh, super connector network? Uh, definitely, you can reach out to me, um, Tony. Uh, I'm Tony, uh, TonyTriumph.com, of course, um, or the TriumphantGroup.com. 
Um, we have a, a resource section launching this week. I have one of my team members working on. Uh, we'll be doing, you know, amazing brand building blog posts every week. I have an amazing book coming out. Um, I can't drop the name yet, but it's and we're still going through all the trademark and stuff. But um, I have an amazing book that will be coming out that will help. That will be the premier guide to helping you launch build, grow your brand at whatever stage it's in. Um, we have some amazing advice from top CEOs, um, top brand builders, um, top agencies. Um, so it's it's going to be good. I'm really excited about that project coming for this fall. So definitely look out for that. We'll have all the information on the thetriforgroup.com coming up in the next few weeks um, by end of summer at the latest. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, and yeah, if you anybody wants to connect with me with social media, you can just type in my name, Tony Triumph, on Instagram. I'm Tony Triumph Official. Um, on Twitter, I'm Tony Triumph Ten. Um, yeah, that's that's. I'm, I'm happy to connect with anyone that's interested. I'm a very approachable guy, very people person. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you uh, sharing the story today and uh, being so open. Thank you, Paul. It was my pleasure to to join. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This has been an incredibly fun experiment for me, and I'm loving talking to such incredible guests. I've received some awesome feedback, and I appreciate all the suggestions and just the praise. I'm kind of blown away. Uh, It's just so amazing to have such positive support. I hate asking for further support, but would love if you could share or recommend the podcast to one friend. If you are inclined to support more, I've actually set up a Patreon page, which I am experimenting with and potentially going to release some exclusive content and with the goal of building a community of people who are passionate of making sense of the future of work and enabling people to do work that matters to them. To learn more, you can check that out at bondlesspod.com. Again, thanks for the support. And if you have ideas, questions you want me to answer on a future Q&A podcast, or just suggestions, we'd love to hear them all. Please email me at paul at think-boundless.com.
Hey all, thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50,000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50,000, which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community, which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership, and you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.